Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. On this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place and provide inspiration for others. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires everyone. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet here. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Welcome back to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and today I'm speaking with Marianne Simon, a Los Angeles-based artist who has spent 20 years training and working as an actress and a director and writing for even longer than that. She has a degree in theater from San Francisco State and trained with the American Conservatory Theater from the age of eight. Though she has worked in video and film, there's nothing quite like the thrill of a live performance. We're speaking to Marianne on the eve of a new show coming out starting this month in June in Los Angeles called Widows Anonymous. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast, Marianne. Hello, Lynn. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm I'm honored that you that you reached out and invited me. Thank well, you. I've won, I've loved seeing your evolution over the years, and um, there's so much I want to put into this podcast because I want to talk about your show, um, which I'm really excited to hear about. Um, but I also want to meander a little bit into your landscape work and your work with climate change and sustainability, um, and then we have to talk about those emotions and um, your journey through loss and grieving and um, coming out the other side. So we have a, a tall order today in this podcast, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, but let's start with um, let's start with sort of the background. Tell me a little bit about how you got into writing and performing and how the two came together. Wow, so you you spoke to that a little bit in the in the bio. You know, I grew up in a family of artists. Mm-hmm. Most you know, most parents want their kids to be lawyers and doctors, and <laughs> my parents wanted us to be uh, artists. So, um, which is wonderful. It's so cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you never hear that from a family ever. No. Yes, no. that is so cool. <laughs> So, yeah, so um, even as a little tyke, you know, I was raised in San Francisco, and there's there's the American Conservatory Theater, which is a, a world-known theater, uh-huh. and they had just started a program for young people, uh-huh. and I don't know how my parents heard about it, but they did, and they thought it would be good for me, uh-huh. and so off off they sent, and I had no, I had no clue. This was nothing I had asked for, but... Uh-huh. Um, you know, somewhere along the line, they thought that it would it would be good, and um, and it has been. It's it's really been been a place where I've been able to grow and expand, and um, yeah, and speak so, to things that are. Oh, go ahead. So you journal. I know you journal every day, and. I'd like to hear a little bit about that because I, I think um, you found that your your writing, um, you know, pen to paper, journaling as a routine, sort of led to this new show. So, I mean, tell me a little bit about about your journaling process and why it's so useful for you. Yes, um, so I've been journaling for for years and years. I have like 
buckets of journals and it, it is, it's almost an addiction. It's the very first thing I do when I get up in the morning after I start my coffee uh-huh. and they, you know, they say a minimum of three pages. Are you talking about the artist's way? Yeah, so that's why I learned about it (laughs) some 20-something years ago. Sure. And and it is, you know, usually, as they say, you know, the first part is just the, the dump about everything you're complaining about and worried about and all of that. Sure. And then somewhere in there, if I keep writing, um, and it doesn't always happen, but there's, it, it feels almost like I drop down, for yes. lack of a better, you know, metaphor, to something that feels important. And literally, like, I can feel ripples on my skin when mm. when I write a phrase that resonates or I ask a question that feels like it's an opportunity to, you know, to explore it. And at, at various times in my life, it has been uh, something that's kept me sane. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you alluded to the loss of my husband a couple of years ago. And this, yes. this was one of the things that... Every morning, um, it was just a place to express, explore, vent mm-hmm. um, everything that was going was going on. Almost like a, a place to make sense of the world, um, sort of find some clarity and and mm-hmm. ask those questions. You know, it's it's interesting because um, it is a bit like meditation. You know, daily journaling because. Um, you clear out the clutter and you get to a deeper place. And right. then um, I, I think every great entrepreneur and artist that I've ever met has some sort of practice like this, whether it's journaling or meditating or both, because um, you sort of get out of the busyness and the clutter of everyday life and you can see more clearly. And um, I think that's what leads to more success. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and, I think you're exactly right with the busyness and the clutter and other people's voices um, and what society tell us. And so somehow in the in in that stillness or in that quiet, where it's just you and um, whatever. And sometimes it's bigger than just us. You know, yeah. I think sometimes we do we tap into source or what you know whatever it is that we specifically believe. Sure. Um, and it's like you hear you hear the truth of who you are and what's important to you. Um, it's a hard yeah. definition because I know as as a mom of four kids, I I <laughs> often define myself. I know, right? I often define myself that way. And I think as they're um, growing up and preparing to go to college and leave the house, you know, they can't be my definition. Um, and there mm. are so many definitions for ourselves that um, when one ends or one evolves you know, how do you know yourself? Um, and it's interesting because you have had this evolution over the past few years. Um, I have to say, you know, I'm watching from afar and reading your beautiful writing and your, in your newsletter that comes out and, and, and seeing your preparation as you're about to launch this show. Um, I, I think I realized that what strikes me about your writing is how, um, raw and honest it is, but how, um, deeply loving it is and so it in my experience of the societies that the stories that our society tells about love um they're fraught and there's friction and there's 
a horrible breakup and drama, you don't hear so many stories of a deep, persistent love. And so the loss that might accompany that, how profound that is as well. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, bravely, how you, how you faced the sudden death of your husband. Uh, <laughs> um, I, it, you know, it sounds so cliche in some ways, but it, it's literally just one step at a time. Right. Um, and the sense that there's no choice, you know, unless I was going to join him in the afterlife, um, I had to just keep going. And I know in the writing I've, I've used the metaphor that it feels like a dance sometimes mm-hmm. because we're not always moving forward. Right. Um, and there are these huge, huge setbacks and, you know, and I know there are, there were things that were in my life, like a hugely supportive family and friends. And, you know, I went to therapy and I joined a grief support group. So, Reaching out to outside sources and then the journaling and then these long walks along the ocean where I could just sit down on the sand and sob. Right. Um, Now, you guys were married for 26 years, right? Yes. And tell me a little bit. I never had the the good fortune to meet him. So tell me a little bit about how you met and, and what you guys were like together. Oh, now you are going to make me cry. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I've, it's better now. It'll be two years next month, actually. It's kind oh, wow. of mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, so we, we met in a very typical Hollywood style. We met in a car accident. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he, and it was his fault. He broadsided me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then we were, it turned out, you know, cr- crazy kismet. Uh, we were both going to the same uh, happy hour event. Oh, my gosh. And Yeah, and then we get to the top, and he's meeting a friend, and I'm meeting a friend, and they were sitting side by side. So oh. we were now side by side. Oh, and my he goodness. Was, I mean, yeah, and I just remember being struck by, he was from Ohio, uh-huh. by just what a really nice, good-looking, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> good-looking but decent man, you know, he could have been such a jerk about it and, uh-huh. you know, tried to pin it on me and he wasn't. Right. Um, and, you know, almost immediately we found things that we had in common and pretty much one thing led to another and yeah. And then, wow. you know, I never would have, he was, uh, he was in, he was an economics, uh, person worked for the city of Santa Monica and I was an artist and actress, you know, our world uh-huh. would never have collided in any other way. Sure. Um, but then, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, there, there's so, and it's not that our marriage was perfect in any, you know, we definitely sure. had our issues and our problems and sure. stuff that, you know, caused some cracking, Sure. but you know the the basic basic things that he was he was so trustworthy and so 
supportive. And a, a friend of mine once said that he was the rock so that I could be the butterfly. Oh, I love that. That's a beautiful image. Yeah. And that's, you know, he was solid and dependable and he was there for me and he was there for my daughter, or our daughter. And, uh-huh. and he supported my artist. I think I changed careers four times while we were married. And <laughs> each time it was, you know, if that makes you happy, I will support you. Oh, um, that's beautiful. And the same, you know, I respected him so much and, I, you know, I knew there were things about the way my parents were with each other that I did not want to replicate in my marriage and, you know, just ways that we communicated and things that we did together. And then, and then also we were independent. Uh So I didn't feel, you know, maybe it it was one of the saving graces that I had a life of my own when he passed. Mm -hmm that there was something that I could hold to. Um, but yeah, he was he was just this amazing, amazing human being. And I feel so blessed that I had him for as long as I did. It's really um, stunning when we stop and think about how um, we assume we have so long and we just never know. And right. in a heartbeat, in a blink of an eye, something can change at any age. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a totally different story. It's a different path. And um, I, I think it's good that we don't live our lives focusing on that what if, but then when confronted with it, it's um, it's a whole new reckoning. And it does, it changes your definition of all that you know. It just, it just has to. Yeah. 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 So. And we, we become different people. Yeah. Well, you have to. You have to confront <sighs> the situation in front of you. Um, even if you don't know how, you really do. Right, right. So you were journaling your way through the emotions and stumbled upon this beautiful show that you are launching in June of this year. So tell me about tell me about Widows Anonymous. Oh my God. Um, so it, it was it was the the. I I back up just a little bit because one of the other um, factors that kept me evolving and every now and then happy was there was a creative circle that I had joined. Oh, yeah. Where, uh, and it was only women, and it was this incredibly beautiful, safe space for artists to bring whatever they needed to bring. And so over the course of uh, the, the grieving, I would bring these pieces to the workshops. Okay. And bit but you know, in the beginning they were just <laughs> big meltdowns, but uh-huh. eventually, you know, pieces started showing up. And I found myself at the beginning of the year going, I and who knows where that comes from, you know, that nudge, that sure. you know, push. And it was like I feel like it's time for me to expand beyond the safety of the, you know, it was sort of time to move beyond kindergarten. <laughs> um, and as, as, as safe and as exquisite a space as that was, I could feel my need to, to, you know, to stretch a little bit, to move beyond my comfort zone, what had become my comfort zone. Sure. And, um, and then a friend of mine who heard that, and again, you know, I, I so believe in synchronicity and the magic of the universe said, you know, there's this thing called the Fringe Festival happening in June, and I thought of you. 
And so I hadn't thought of, you know, how it was going to happen. The whole thing felt kind of daunting. But then all of a sudden, this opportunity, um, and The Fringe is a bunch of different shows, so that sense that I wouldn't be doing it alone, that there was an organization with things worked out, and I I just sort of had to slip into a slot. Uh And then it was just a matter of, you know, what a lot of of it was written in the pieces that I had been creating. Okay. And then I found a... A, a wonderful director, and then new pieces started showing up. And I actually finished the first draft just last week. Wow! <laughs> that was, yay! That was very exciting. And I realized that there's a little bit of a delay um, with you know our conversation and and when it will actually um, air. But uh, yeah, and so now there are five. I play five. Different women, uh-huh. which right there in, is an adventure in, in a one-woman show. So it's just you in on a one-woman show. Yeah, yep. uh-huh. and um, because what I realized was that I really wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to be able to have more than just one voice. This grieving is such different. There's so many layers to it, sure. and I found myself calling for you know, conversations I've been having with other widows as well as voices that were just showing up in the journaling. Sure. So bit by bit, these monologues uh, have started showing up and we've, you know, we've got a flow to the show now and um, what feels like a little bit of an arc, you know, so you meet the women earlier in their process and then some of them you hear from again, some of them you don't, Uh but... And the the thing I I end it with, not that it's a what do you call it a giveaway, is uh-huh. that it's not as though there's a happy ending. Uh-huh. You know, it's not a Hallmark movie, um, but there is there is the sense that things are better than they were before, and I'm not so um, I'm not so desperate anymore. That there's hope and there is there is a future. Yeah. Where in those first few months, I, you know, that, that seemed so impossible. Well, it's one day at a time, one step after the next. Um, But it's really exciting to have a one woman show in Los Angeles, um, (laughs) to be able to share this really profound notion that we have many sides to ourselves, many, many versions of who we are all within one person. Um, It's a, it's a wonderful and brilliant idea that maybe we don't contemplate very often, but um, it's so true. It's, you know, and, and it sort of gives permission to those encountering this show to be all the sides of yourself and not have to just limit your definition, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, so cool. And I, yeah. And I think we struggle with that a lot, this feeling that we are, and, and mothers, you know, to a whole other degree, you know, sure. that you're, you're a mom, but you're also working, but you're also a wife and you're also, yeah. yeah. And sometimes we feel schizophrenic with it. So it is, it's a huge question of how do we, how do we feel integrated with all these various aspects of ourselves and not feel torn apart by it instead. Absolutely. Now, um, before our conversation comes to an end, I want to talk a little bit about your um, landscape work because, you know, it's, I don't know how this weaves into what we're talking about. And, and uh, before we end this episode, we'll give all the great information about how to go see your show and find out more about it. Um, But 
but you have a business called Poetic Plantings, which is a lovely title, and mm-hmm. it's um, landscape design. And uh, you know, you've said a few things about it that really struck me that you're creating gardens that nourish both spirit and the earth, um, and that also you're really focused on, um, you know, advocating for sustainable practices in this era of such devastating climate change. So, can you just share a little bit about how you stumbled onto? this part of yourself and, and your career and, and, and what you're doing, um, you know, in the, in the earth, what kind of work you yeah. do. Yeah. So it's crazy cause I stumbled upon it in my writing <laughs> um, just goes to show. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, working with, um, a friend and we were writing and we had these prompts and the prompt was, I eat dirt. Ah, love it. <laughs> and uh, off I went on a, a piece about just how vital that connection to the earth was to uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. And at the end of it, it was my friend who said, you know, maybe there's something in there you need to take a closer look at. Uh-huh. And so it, it was, I had no idea there was such a, a career that was even out there. Um, but again, one thing led to another and I discovered that I could indeed um, be working with the earth much more intimately than I, I had realized was possible. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I actually went back to school, got a degree in landscape architecture. Wow. And then back in, like, 2009, connected with an organization that was really focused on the sustainability aspect. Okay. And that there was more to it than just creating pretty gardens, which is what most people Right. think, or certainly, you know, not so long ago, that was what we thought about. Sure. But, you know, working with them and studying with them, realizing that it is also a huge opportunity for our individual gardens to actually serve to benefit the health of the planet. Okay. And that idea that, you know, uh, work local, affect global, is that if each one of us could take these steps to cut back on the, you know, the toxins that we put into our gardens, um, you know, focus on, on creating life in the soil for us, especially out here in the, you know, in the Southwest where water is such an issue, uh, capture rainwater, um, create opportunities for biodiversity, for wildlife habitat, you know, all of those things can be done. In a space as small as you know, a hundred square feet. Sure. It's um, it's you're gonna get you. I will get on my soapbox here. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's just such a it's such an important prescient issue because um, we're facing really drastic changes in the planet, yep. and um, yep. you know, you're somebody who's empowered to do something about it. But I think it's really important this advocacy piece because um, having a voice like you do in a platform, I know this show isn't necessarily speaking to this issue, but you can bring them together for the betterment of the community and and really empower people like me who I don't even know where to start when it comes to um, helping the planet. You know, I I, Mm -hmm. it's a daunting task, and so um, I really commend you on that. I think it's important to put your, you know. your communication skills, your, your poetry, um, in partnership with the work with the earth so that, mm-hmm. um, you really can touch others and, and help to create a movement of yeah. a positive yeah. change. I mean, that's what, what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hate to cut us short, but we do have to bring this episode to a close. So I have 
two last questions for you. Um, The first one is, you know, on this show, we talk about how people make meaning and find purpose. And I know um, in your pre-show conversations, um, you were talking about how, you know, you don't just sort of um, dictate your purpose, you stumble into it. And Mm -hmm. so I wonder if you have any advice for our listeners about, you know, how they find their way or how they, how they come to that profound definition of self um, to, to keep them going? You know, what advice might you have for them? Right. Um, yeah, I think the stumbling into is, is pretty accurate. I think uh, there's a, I actually heard the idea that instead of purpose, we used the word dharma, Ooh, yeah. which somehow there, there was something really freeing about that shift and the the Dharma being more about the journey, whereas sure. the purpose feels more like the destination. Yeah, that's true. And so when 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 I look at how I have somehow gotten here, it has very much felt like I just kept taking the next step. And that being said, the next step that felt like it resonated, you know, like it it made me shiver or it, it might have terrified me. Um, and again, I, I keep coming back to the journaling because um, that's where I keep getting the insights um, for what, and sometimes the page is literally, I just don't know what's next. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's next. <laughs> and then sure enough, I will wake up one morning and it'll be, oh, you're going to, you know, blankety blank, blank, blank. And it will feel unforced and completely organic. And it, it again, it might be a terrifying step, but it feels true. Um, and so that that has been my guide. And we all find, you know, our own our own way. But yeah, I think those those two elements of that quiet space to hear yourself, um, and then maybe the shift in perspective. Sure. Um, um, not the destination, but the journey. I love that. So um, as we close, I wonder if you can share with our listeners how they can connect with you and your show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so there's, there's two, two ways. Um, the show is part of the Hollywood Fringe Festival, so uh, it would specifically be listed on that. And then I've just created a new website called MarianneBecoming.com, and that has information about the show as well as all of the process and the journey that I have uh, traveled to get here. So um, those two are probably best I hope our listeners will get on board and come see you at the Fringe Festival in Los Angeles. And um, if you can't, because like me, you're very far away, um, Marianne has a beautiful email that comes out every month, and I find such inspiration and connection in it. So um, Marianne Simon, thank you so much for being a part of the Make Meaning podcast. Oh, thank you, Lynn. It's, it is such a pleasure, A, to have reconnected with you and, and to have this conversation today. Absolutely. Good luck, and I look forward to hearing more wonderful things. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've really enjoyed being here with you today. 
You can find the Make Meaning Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I'd love it if you'd share our great conversations with all your people so we can add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.